It is always a privilege for a church to see fruit to the ministry that we participate in. And sometimes that fruit takes longer to produce, but it is a blessing when you're able to see it produced. And today we have the opportunity to celebrate God opening up a door for someone else. And I'm going to let Jonathan come up and he's going to share some information with you. Some of you have already seen it on social media, but we're going to ask Jonathan if, he, if he'd come up. I did ask him to keep it relatively short, uh, but he's going to share for just a couple of minutes with you. Good morning, church. I was watching the baptisms, and you know, in 2013, Pastor Mike baptized me, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just want to share, I have to be relatively short, but in two, uh, six years ago, Trinity Wesleyan invested in me and took a leap of faith. I came down here with just clothes on my back, literally, um, from a life of addiction and alcohol and all those things, and uh, so I just want to thank the church. I'm kind of mixed of emotions up here, but uh, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm all these things. But I just thank you guys for loving me. You love me for, for these six years. I got to serve as intern and currently outreach pastor. But um, I just got to thank you for loving me and loving my mom through all these, these hard times we've been going through. And this church has been there for me. And I'm just very grateful for each of you. So thank you. Uh, the announcement is I said that I'm an outreach pastor currently, which means that I will be leaving Trinity Wesley in, uh, on the 17th of this month as I received a call to Georgia and I accepted the opportunity to be the lead pastor of a church down in Georgia. So that is the announcement. It's a sad thing, but it's an exciting thing. It's, it's all the emotions in one thing, so. But I thank you all for investing in me and uh, praying for me and loving me. And I, I pray that I served you all well, And because um, I know you served me well. So thank you all. But because we know that God has a plan for his life, and if God's plan is for you to be in Georgia, you shouldn't be here. And we rejoice over that. Uh, Jonathan was a part of our church up in Delaware, and it is such a blessing to be able to see how God has taken him from there to here, and to see where God's going to take him in the future as well. So thank you very much for letting us be a part of your story over the last six plus years here. All right. How much time do I got? Oh, that's plenty of time. We're good. And the story is told of a 15-year-old uh, Amish boy and his father who visited a local mall. They were amazed by almost everything that they saw, but especially by two shiny silver walls that could move apart and slide back together again. The boy asked his father, well, what is this? And the father, having never seen an elevator before, responded, Son, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I don't know what it is. While the boy and his father were watching with amazement, a heavy-set older lady in a wheelchair moved up to the wall, the moving walls, and pressed a button. The walls opened, and the lady rolled between into the small room. The walls closed, and the boy and his father watched the small numbers above the walls light up sequentially. They continued to watch it until it reached 
the last number, and then the numbers began to light in reverse order. Finally, the walls opened, and a gorgeous 24-year-old blonde stepped out. The father, not taking his eyes off the young woman, said quietly to his son, go get your mother. Wouldn't it be great if transformations were really that easy? <laughs> Just step into an elevator, wait a few minutes, and suddenly you come out completely new. But as we all know, life does not work that way. Instead, people pay thousands of dollars for dietary food programs, thousands more on gym memberships, and then put hours and hours into sculpting the new you. Let me just say that such transformations are a beautiful thing. I have a friend who coaches people on healthy eating, and she regularly posts pictures of various people whom I do not know, but they have experienced incredible transformations. And most of the time, that transformation has taken months, if not even years, to accomplish. But what she doesn't post in those pictures is the many people who have started the journey, yet do not finish the journey. And before you think that I'm talking about you, please realize that I do not speak with judgment on anybody. I'm like Peter on the day of Pentecost when he spoke out to the people and he called them out because it was them along with other sinful men who had caused the Messiah to be crucified. Peter could speak to them with such grace because he knew that he too was a failure. On the night of Jesus' arrest, he was the one who denied Christ three times, so he wasn't speaking with judgment. Instead, he recognized that, you know what, we're all in the same boat together. So I do not in any way pass judgment. As I talk to you today about physical transformations, I want you to know today that spiritual transformation is also available to each of us. But such transformations also require the same type of devotion in order to experience the desired results. And the unfortunate reality is that there are many who have begun this journey, this spiritual journey, having never truly experienced the transformation that is available to them through Jesus Christ. But it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it should not be that way. In fact, let me share with you the theme of today's message. I've kind of joked about time and all of that. In case I don't get to share everything, I want to make sure you hear that this is the theme of the message. You'll hear it several more times today. If you're one of those people who likes to write stuff down, write it down. It will benefit you to write it down. If you're one of those people who likes to post one statement from the past or on social media, this would be the statement. If you get anything out of this message, I want you to hear it today. It is time for us to put to rest the idea that a person can become a Christian, yet not be transformed. I have far too many friends and family who would claim Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, yet they remain in their sin. And we wonder why the rest of the world no longer sees the Christian faith with respect and admiration. So let me repeat it. It is time for us to put to rest the idea that a person can become a Christian yet not be transformed, not they would remain in their sin. It's not what God desires. 
Jesus shares a parable in Luke chapter 5, verse 34 through 39, that relates to this today. Listen to it for a moment. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Now, this parable comes in response to a question or maybe even more of a complaint that is being posed to Jesus. Who would ever want to complain to Jesus? You've got to know that you're going to lose that battle. Apparently, though, there were some who objected to Jesus' disciples not fasting like others did. For example, the Pharisees fasted. The disciples of John the Baptist, they also fasted. But the truth is that although Jesus modeled fasting, and he spoke often of the benefits of fasting, he actually never instructed his disciples to tell them that they had to fast. Perhaps this is because fasting was an outward sign of piety. Look at how good I am or how righteous I am. I fast and I do all of these other things and they're outward signs. And sometimes we think that because we look really good on the outside, that makes me more spiritual. And maybe Jesus wasn't as interested in individuals just looking pious, but rather he wanted his followers to genuinely give of themselves on the inside and the outside. He wanted them to be completely made new. So Jesus responds to their question with another question. Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? His point was that there will come a time for sacrifice but it wasn't on that day. That day would be a celebration because Jesus was there with them. And then he goes into this parable. And he says that no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. And this makes a lot of sense in so many different ways. On the one hand, the garment is new. That means that it should last a long time, but if you tear it, then, well, it may not last as long. Certainly not as long as you would like, because now the older garment hopefully will last longer. So tearing the new garment to fix the old doesn't really make a lot of sense. But in addition, the material would be different. The old garment is worn and it is stretched already. It's been washed, it's been shrunk. The new garment, not so much. Imagine patching a hole in your worn out jeans using new material for the new patch. It looks good before it goes into the wash, but what happens when that new cloth begins to shrink up and suddenly it doesn't look quite as good? Okay, so I'm not good with my colors, and I can't tell you what colors you mix and match with, but I can tell you that mixing and matching with the old and the new will create a problem. From a spiritual perspective, there are many who will try to mix and match the old with the new. We try to maintain our sinful past, merely adding a little bit of Jesus to what we already have. But that's not supposed to happen. 
In fact, according to today's passage, such mixing and matching will only create more problems, eventually causing the wineskins to burst because you just can't handle having all the old and the new mixed together. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. If the old is gone, then there's nothing to mix and match with. And Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The old self has been crucified. You have nothing to mix and match with. If the old self is gone, if the old self is dead, that is no longer a part of who I am. Now I recognize we have our past, and all of us do. But I have a future that defines me, and I will not be defined by what lies in my past. Imagine that an individual had a violent past. When they came to Christ, they're expected to leave that past behind, to crucify this sinful behavior. They're certainly not to bring it with them into their new relationship with Jesus Christ. Or imagine that someone has lacked integrity. Should they continue to lie as they enter into this new identity? Of course not. The application is simple. What you were is not who God created you to be. So leave the past behind. There is no mixing and matching with the old and the new. It is time for us to put to rest the idea that a person can become a Christian yet not be transformed. Either you will be made new or you will not. But you cannot choose to be a Christian and remain in the same sin that has plagued you for so long before. Leave the past behind. Maybe you question today whether a total transformation is really even possible. In your own strength, I would suggest to you today that it is not possible. However, through God's spirit dwelling in us, anything is possible. In fact, listen to the words of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's a promise that God is making to his people. Then in Romans 12, 2, we read, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in Jesus' own words in Luke 6, 43 through 45, he says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What that tells me from all three of those selections of Scripture, first, according to Ezekiel 36, 26, God promises to give us a new heart and a new spirit as we choose to follow him. He is not content leaving us in the midst of our brokenness and our sin. 
And while you may not be great at overcoming sin, God is. But according to Romans 12, 2, you have a role in this. You are not some puppet where God randomly removes sinful things out of your life and you merely are a reluctant participant. Instead, you must, by the power of the Spirit of God that dwells in you, you must choose every day to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Instead, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The truth is, you don't really have to choose to sin. The sinful patterns of this world will naturally draw us into such things. You don't have to choose to sin. It just happens. But you do have to choose not to sin. And you can make that choice, again, by the leading of the Spirit of God and the renewal of your mind. Every one of us can be transformed. That means you must put new things in your mind. Stop listening to the sinful influences in your life. Stop spending hours on end on social media. Stop reading or watching all the broadcast news and start reading the good news because that's where you'll find the tools that you need to have your mind transformed. And then finally, as Jesus said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit, but each tree is recognized by its own fruit. If Jesus Christ is in you, if he has given you a new heart, if you are committed to this, even renewing your mind daily, then you will bear good fruit. Your behaviors will change. You will be transformed. Now, I realize that this is a process and you may not be completely changed overnight. But God is not content leaving you in your sin. So it is time for us to put to rest the idea that a person can become a Christian, yet not be transformed. Too often I've heard Christians justify why it's okay that such transformation not take place. We talk about the fact that nobody's perfect. We refer to ourselves as works in progress. And certainly there is some truth to that. But for many of us, there is little to no progress. Then we start excusing away certain things, certain behaviors that might run counter to Christianity. We say things like, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Maybe that's true, although I will say the book of Hebrews seems to disagree with that sentiment. Others point out that the Bible never explicitly portrays alcohol as evil, so it must be okay if I drink. Or they look at the hypocrisy of those who eat gluttonously, yet would tell you that smoking is destroying the body, which is the temple of God. Listen. If you are trying to justify what you can and cannot do, then you are misunderstanding what this is all about. I am a child of God, and my goal is to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ. It is not about what I can get away with and how close I can get to the edge of what I can do and what I cannot do. It is about becoming like Jesus Christ, being transformed into his image. 
And if you do not get that part of it, then there's still something that's not right. The goal is not to see how close we can get to the sin before it becomes sin, but rather for us to be transformed now into his likeness. In fact, listen to the promise of God as found in Jeremiah 32, verse 38 through 40. It says, they will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. They will be my people and I will be their God. Can you hear the pride oozing from God as he makes that promise? It's like a a dad who proudly declares, that's my boy. He wants us to be like him with a singleness of heart and action. It's not an issue of, you know, what can I get away with before I make dad mad, before I deserve punishment? It's, I want my kids to have the same heart, the same desires. I want them to know who I am, and I want them to have the same joy and peace that I have. It's time for us to put to rest the idea that a person can become a Christian, yet not be transformed. Too many of us have taken on the name of Jesus Christ, but our lives do not reflect that. That should not be. If you're a child of God, if his spirit dwells in you, if you are devoted to him, then you will be transformed into his likeness. Maybe it is time for some of us to crucify the old self, to embrace the new life that Jesus has to offer. If you would, I'm going to invite you for a moment to bow your heads with me. Father, as we come before you today, we are very much aware of the fact that many of us have not lived up to the standard that you've called us to. You reached into our lives and you offered us salvation and redemption. Many of us prayed to receive you as our Savior. Some recent, as we celebrated this morning, some from many years ago. For some reason, we have not necessarily all been faithful to our end of the bargain. Father, I pray today that you would first of all grant forgiveness. Where we have fallen short, Lord, I pray that you would Wipe away our sins. But I pray today that if there be one here that as they watched the testimonies earlier, as they have heard the message, if there is one that is convicted right now, realizing they have not lived up to the standard to which you have called them, I pray that right now as they confess their sins, you would forgive them of that sin, cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And that from this moment forward, they would walk as those who are being transformed by your grace. Lord, I pray that as you transform us, that you would help us to 
to recognize we cannot do this alone. Lord, I pray that your word would become such an active part of our lives that it would be something that we continually leaned on. Lord, I pray that we would find an extra strength that we don't have on our own. Sometimes we get distracted and other things get in the way. Lord, help us to be so disciplined to spend time in your word, to know you and to know who you are. Lord, we want to become like you. And the only way we can do that is to actually know who you are. So Lord, I pray today that you would give us a desire more than anything to know you. But we want to be the kind of people that you would brag about. That you would look and say, that's my boy. That's my girl. Father, I pray today that each of us would be people who know not just your salvation, but the transformation that comes through you. With every head bowed and eye closed this morning, maybe there's someone in here who would say, Pastor, I've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe I've been coming to church for just a short time. I've prayed and I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, but I've never allowed him to do the transforming work in me that needs to be done. And right now I want to declare, Pastor, that's me. I want to be transformed. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Put them right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, for the hands that were just raised, I pray that you would completely transform who we are. Lord, I pray that there would be noticeable difference in our lives, that our attitudes would change, that our decision-making would change, the things that we watch would change, the things that we say would change. Lord, help us to be so devoted to you that we could not remain the same people that we once were. Father, we rejoice today over what you have done, for we believe that you are the one who has given us this hope. And you are the one who will continue to finish the work that you have started. Lord, may you be honored in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I do have one last thing to share. I, I shared my prayer before we got to my last point. I had the privilege this morning of sharing with four individuals. There'll be a fifth individual in the second service that will be baptized. And I hope you're as excited about that as I am. The work that is done through baptism, that is an outward sign of an inward work of grace. I believe today that God is working inwardly and that is his desire to work on our hearts to transform who we are on the inside. But there should be an outward display that comes from that, not just in baptism. But every day moving forward, there should be an outward display revealing that I'm not the same person that I was before. I challenge you today, as you saw already, four individuals making that declaration. I challenge you to make that declaration outside of here. When you're sitting at lunch, let your life, let your conversation, let everything about you reflect the inward work of grace that God has already done. You be the living testimony, not just needing a baptistry to be able to do it, but everywhere you go. When you're at home, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're with friends, when you're in the grocery store, wherever it is, let your life reveal the inward work of grace that God has already done in you. That is the transforming work that God is calling his people to. You be the new wineskin. You be the new flesh. You be the new heart. You be the one that will show the rest of the world, I don't have to be who I used to be. 
just as God could transform me, I know he could transform you. We celebrate with Jonathan. Part of the reason why I celebrate with Jonathan is because I've seen him throughout the length of the journey. I celebrate. You guys got to see it for six years. What's it been, nine years? About nine years I've seen Jonathan. And I remember what it looked like before. And man, I celebrate what it looks like today. I could say the same thing about many of you. Let that be what the world sees in you. The transforming work of Jesus Christ. I believe that he wants to do a great thing, but it's got to begin in us. Let it begin here today. It is such a blessing to be able to share with you this morning, and my prayer is that you will be blessed and you will go out and be his servants that he called you to be. Thank you for being with us this morning. Go in peace.